Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week and I guide you gently through another show. We're kind of back in the office and not in the office, so uh, I'm dining in from home today, but uh, we're definitely in that sort of hybrid work environment, and we, uh, I'm delighted to have Frank Washcook here, who's our executive editor. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. Uh, hybrid indeed. indeed. Yes, you enjoying getting back into the office for a bit? Yeah, of course. Of it's course. good fun. It's, it's good, good, to, be, everyone, good yeah. to be out and out, out and about a bit. It is. And we've got Rochelle Ford here, who's Dean of the School of Communications and Professor of Strategic Communications at Elon University. Welcome back to the show, Rochelle. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me. And I know you've just been to your first in-person conference, so we're going to find out all about that for sure and uh, about the great award that you got and also uh, an award for Ophiel Dukes. And then we'll discuss some topical issues Ford is unveiling a massive investment in electronic vehicles, so we'll talk about the narrative around that. Next 15, the agency group has had some positive financial results. As always, we'll get into some social media viral video stuff. OkCupid doubling down on its uh, activities after a viral video. We'll find out more about that. And a TikTok star has had some fun with some logos, Detroit Lions and McDonald's. And we did a, a where are they now thing. So again, ever wondered what Nugs, what Carter from Nugs for Carter, where he ended up? Well, we went and found out what are those ordinary people who made famous on YouTube and social, what happened to them? But first of all, Rochelle, let's get into chatting to you. Now, you were at the Page event in D.C. last week, but that was uh, your first live event, but also an opportunity for you to pick up a, an award and also honor one of the the greats of the industry, someone who's on our Hall of Fame, as well as you are, as actually, uh, Ophiel Duke. So uh, tell us a bit about the event. It was great to be back in person. There was also great participation online. It was a hybrid event, uh, but um, the Page Society, and it was nice to see a lot of the chief comms officers and agency leaders um, getting together. And actually, it was one of the first times that I actually saw diversity, equity, and inclusion being front and center of every conversation that happened at that conference. And that did my heart good because a long time I felt like a voice crying out in the wilderness. Yeah, <laughs> industry more inclusive. That is good to see. And do you really feel now like this is being taken properly seriously and that there's a commitment to real change because there are still people out there who think that it's all lip service and that there's no real change happening. Do you, were you uh, encouraged by the discussions and the things that were being talked about? I absolutely was encouraged. And it really, the, the time will tell if companies are going to be more than lip service and really move their cultures to be inclusive and diversify their teams. But for the first time, I heard the conversations because it grew out of crisis of the summer of unrest and the reckoning with social justice and racial inequalities and systemic, you know, um, inequalities that exist within our society. Companies could no longer ignore that fact. Now, the challenge is how do we 
not just put out statements of performative nature, but activate that. And and I heard those conversations happening, whether we were talking about cybersecurity issues or we were talking about being a resilient workforce, we were talking about ESG, the, the issue was there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, we have seen a lot of appointments of executives, and I'm not just talking in diversity and inclusion positions. I'm talking at the senior levels of both agencies and in the on the client side. So um, personally, I have seen moves and I have seen a change in attitudes. And we all recognize, I think, that we're nowhere near there yet. But I do think that things have, have, have changed. So I'm glad that that uh, momentum is carrying on and um, all all under the caveat that there's a long way to go yet. So that's good to hear. Now, you were um, presented with a Distinguished Service Award at the PAGE Conference, so congratulations for that. And uh, as was Ophield Dukes, as I mentioned, and uh, Ophield is someone you, you know a lot about. You wrote a book about him. Tell us a little bit about his con- contribution to the industry and how much of a forerunner he was. This was especially exciting to see Ophiel Dukes um, be inducted into the Page Society. He was not a member of Page, nor would he have probably ever been invited to Page because when he was in his heyday of practice, there were no African-American members of the Page Society. So for Page to recognize his contributions um, to our industry, to his clients, the impact that he had on major movements um, is, is huge. And Ophield, he got his start actually um, after being a journalist um, with an entree into politics and working for the Kennedy Johnson administration and the Johnson Humphrey administration, um, particularly his role as the deputy director for public affairs um, with the um, president's committee on equal opportunity um, during the Johnson Humphrey administration. And he really was very, very um critical um, to helping to move equal opportunity legislation forward that benefited both, you know, um, African-Americans and women. Um, and that was one of his his, his biggest, um, his first, you know, foreruns into doing public communication. Um, but then as, you know, of course, Humphrey did not um, get elected as, as president, although he worked on his, um, you know, presidential race, he went on to open up his um, PR firm, um, o- um, Dukes, Oakfield Dukes and Associates. And his first client was Motown. And of right. course, you know, all the Motown greats, he did a lot of work for them. Um, but then he also um, had um, the Lever Brothers also um, in helping them with some um, political communication work. And we like to say that, you know, Oakfield, he was a master at the personal influence model of, of public relations. Oldfield had a wide Rolodex and he would always say to people, what can I do for you? So how could he help organizations move their agenda forward um, with integrity, with authenticity, always with a heart of inclusion and diversity um, as part of what the advice that he would give clients. So um from Motown, he um, he did that, but then he also um, worked on ma- other major um, movements in the U.S. So he was a very big player in the anti-apartheid movement. He was um, right, actually Alex Haley, and he shared an office when Alex Haley was writing um, the book uh, Roots. And um, so he was part of that movement. Um, he was 
super influential in and in getting Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday recognized as a national um, holiday, his birthday recognized as a national holiday. So um, Ofield was um, amazingly influential in that um, in that respect. And one thing people don't know, um, oftentimes don't know, is that uh, Kathy Hughes, who um, is the owner of Urban One or what's Radio One, which is one of the largest African-American owned um, broadcast affiliates and radio affiliates um, in the in the country. um, He was her first investor to help get that um, that radio station purchased and to help it grow. Um, So his um, his impact um, far and wide and deep. And one of the most important things in his, um, uh, several of his mentees um, spoke at the, um, at the event via video, um, you know, talked about his heart of mentoring. He established the Washington, D.C. chapter of the National Black Public Relations um, Society. And Tarad Neptune, um, who spoke at the event um, on video, um, said that it meant the world to him um, as a young account executive in Washington, D.C., to meet Ofield, to be brought into the fold and to have a role model. And what an influence that Mr. Juice made on his life. And as you know, you know, Tarad is the chief um, comms person for Medtronics and former yeah. Lenovo. And and so it was that sort of personal impact that Ophield made. And he also mentored me and he mentored um the um, the PR person who, um, for Oprah when and she was one of Ofield's students. Ofield started the PR program at Howard University, and look at all the graduates um, that Howard has made that that are doing amazing things in the industry, including um, Lori George Billingsley, who's the chief diversity off the global diversity officer for Coca Cola. Um, so it's his impact is far and wide from his teaching, his political involvement, doing all the campaigns for Democratic candidates. He, he didn't work on Obama, but was um, able to see that to happen. So, Yeah, no, he's a real uh, inspiration. And uh, I remember him when we inducted him in 2014. Uh, his daughter had obviously inherited his skill for communication because she, she gave a fantastic, very emotional speech, and it was uh, very moving. Interesting that he came out of that political world and many other PR pros have come through that route. But it has been pointed out that, you know, there is a a lot of diverse talent in the world of politics and sometimes wonder why more of that doesn't gravitate towards the world of PR, you know, because when people say, oh, there aren't enough, there there isn't the talent out there, it's clearly not true. There is. So how how would you say we can get more of that talent into the PR industry? I think that as an industry, we have to be more open to the type of talent that we're seeking and that you can reach into the political arenas. You can reach into the education arenas. You can work into any sector that is your core business practice. You can find talented individuals who will be great problem solvers and excellent communicators. I think a lot of agencies and corporations are too narrow in what they're searching for. Because if you're looking only for people that have, you know, 10 years of healthcare agency experience, well, you're beginning to look at a a needle in the haystack because if folks didn't stay in that practice area and moved about, you know, you're going to just keep retreading people from agency to agency and not actually growing the talent pool. 
yeah, it's retreading the same same talent pool. That's that's absolutely right. Just while you, we've got you, Rochelle, um, obviously you're the dean at Elon University and, and the School of Communications. Clearly, it's been a challenging year for everybody, but especially for educational establishments. Tell us where you are now in terms of getting the students back and how different it's been and what the challenges have been. Yeah, so Elon is a unique place in that we reopened in August of 2020. And so this is our second year on campus. Last year, it was masks and physical distancing, a lot of creativity and reuse of spaces and all, and not a whole lot of impersonal, um, in-person gatherings. This year, it feels much more like what it was pre-pandemic. Um, we are 100% um, is a vaccine requirement um, for the, the campus. And that has enabled us to return back to tra- traditional classroom settings. Um, Elon is unique in that there's only 33 persons per classroom maximum. Um, we, we like to keep classes small for that engaged learning. And that has enabled us to have a, a greater campus feel with the residence halls open, meetings and campus um, organizations. In fact, Elon sent um, five students to the PAGE conference to volunteer um, there and to learn from those, those wonderful executives. So we, we're back. Um, but if, if somebody had a religious, um, you know, or medical reason why they couldn't get vaccinated, they're required to do weekly testing. And so um, that's worked very well. And we, you can go online, you can track where we are as a university. And so it helps people to understand um, this health and safety precautions and what the risk level is on campus. And I think, you know, Elon being, you know, relatively young university, now ranked number one in the nation, though, for undergraduate teaching, it was so important for us to have that engage on campus experience. Yeah. Um, but we, we're still masked, you know, and I think that's important because it does reduce the spread since you a lot of people who are vaccinated, they don't know if they um, actually because they're, they're, they're asymptomatic. They don't know if they're positive or not. Um, that helps reduce the spread on campus. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I mean, it's good to hear the kids are back on, on campus. The, the, those who've gone, you know, I've got a nephew who went uh, last year and another one who went who's gone this year. And, you know, that's a tough time to do to to you know get the most out of your experience as undergraduate experience which is a, a fantastic time in any young person's life so it's good that they're getting back to uh, being you know able to enjoy all the benefits of an education and learning from each other and, and just enjoying the the experience so that's uh, great to hear really yeah. good it was neat to Labor Day weekend, we brought the class of 2020 back to campus. And a lot of people were like, you know, we might, other universities had did it. They said, you may get 20% of that graduating class um, back. We had almost 80% of those graduate those, those graduates from 2020 return back Labor Day weekend um, to celebrate. And they needed that closure. They needed that to be back on campus in community and say, we did it. We survived. And a lot of those young people now have jobs. You know, first when they were graduating in May of 2020, so many jobs have been snatched from them because people didn't know what the world was going to be. But they are now getting hired again and in jobs that didn't exist. So our Hollywood students are getting jobs as as COVID precaution um, production assistants. So they are putting in all of those um, those guidelines and then others who are working um, in health communications to help with uh, information about vaccines and, and research and all that just didn't 
those com jobs didn't exist, and now they do. Yeah, well, that's look. We need the talent. There's a there's a lot of open positions out there, so that's really great to hear and great great that you're uh, producing brilliant talent for the industry. Thank you, Rochelle. Great to chat, and we'll get your input on the news stories of the day, Frank. Uh, actually, one story um, that came to mind that we weren't going to cover is Taj Reed, who just got promoted to global chief experience officer at Edelman. Another example of a, a diverse PR pro, you know, getting a senior global role. So that's good to see. It is good to see, and it's a new role uh, over there at Edelman, which is um, is is also good to see. Uh, so Taj is going to be in charge of driving uh, creative technology, prototyping, innovative experience design all across the uh, network. Um, he he's had a really interesting career. It's good to uh, to see him uh, get promoted. But he um, he used to be the executive creative director. Uh, for global marketing at Slalom. He was um, he had a great job at Microsoft as principal creative director. And uh, you can see him pop up in a lot of um, the the internal comms uh, initiatives that Microsoft used to do, you know, demonstrating things and talking about things and, and yeah. uh, things of that nature. Yeah, um, sort of fits in with how Edelman launched Edelman Studios uh, back in February um, as part of its um, global content creation hub. Yeah, really good to see. But another big story this week, Ford has unveiled its largest investment, one of its largest investments ever in electronic vehicles, which uh, is definitely obviously a trend in the automotive market. So tell us about that and how they sort of told the story. Yeah, eye-catching for sure, because it's a joint venture with uh, a supplier from uh, South Korea. And just the number in and of itself is eye-catching, $11.4 billion dollars. Uh, to build three factories in the U.S. that are going to make electric vehicles and batteries, which should create about uh, 11,000 jobs. Um, a few things come to mind here. Number one, it's another major U.S. Auto- automaker um, really throwing a lot of money at going electric. Um, and uh, it really uh, is showing that, that you know, whether people are ready for it or not, uh, this this is where that industry is going. Um, so... Uh, but an, another part of this is that you see Mark Truby and his team, his communications team, and he's chief communications officer at Ford. But he and his team are were working on the launch of this for about six weeks before the big day, which was Monday. And I think sometimes you don't realize it's that long of a run before a major announcement. And they've been positioning it as more of community events um, within the towns Um that that they are building these factories and which i think is also smart uh you have to have buy-in on the ground obviously yeah this is rochelle this is going to be a big com story in the in a massive industry isn't it uh electronic vehicles so lots of um, potential opportunities for your students i suppose to tell this narrative but it's a complicated narrative around the electronic vehicles isn't it because of charging and access to charging and understanding it and obviously there was the problem with the batteries catching fire and then there's the sort of environmental things of what you do with the batteries when they're uh, finished absolutely and i think that that's one of the the things we'll have to continue to look at because we don't want to over promote things um as the, the the science becomes clear of how we can continue to make it uh, more environmentally friendly. It's better than what we have, but um, we also need to make sure that uh, what, you know, what are the other environmental impacts? Yeah, 
for sure. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how those companies do that. Um, Frank, next 15, one of the uh, interesting agency groups, historically very technology-focused with Archetype, Outcast, and other agencies. They seem to have had a good um, positive financial uh, release this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, So... Next 15, um, 69% rise in pre-tax profit to about 35 million pounds. That's six months uh, ending at the end of July. Of course, their agencies include Mbooth and Archetype. In terms of revenue, up 32% uh, in the period to uh, just under 166 million pounds in the first half, up from 16.8% in the same period of last year. Now, I think we have to mention here that these these gigantic jumps in – revenue percentage and performance that we're seeing uh they're up against a, a very difficult uh you know covid influenced you know, oh. first half of 2020 so uh, we expect to see these big these big jumps but um one thing that jumped out to me in uh their release was that m booth um uh, agency with a very heavy consumer presence in the u.s uh was called out for a great performance uh in the period so kudos to that yeah now um rochelle do your students want to work at agencies do they are they wanting to get in-house has is that changed what's where where is the talent looking for their uh, opportunities career opportunities i think they're looking in all different spaces agencies are still a great place to get a start and to to learn the full scope of what public relations or you know strategic communications is a lot of them do desire to get into corporate america though and, and work for the brands themselves uh it's oftentimes there's not a lot of entry level jobs <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so um getting into trade associations nonprofits and agencies and government that tends to be a lot easier than I'm going straight to a corporation, but a lot of them will transition into corporate environments. Yeah, I think having a, a spell at an agency is a great grounding to get experience of a bunch of clients and then, you know, doubling down on one particular client and going in-house with that uh, extra experience on top of your academic achievements. Frank, um, OkCupid, okay interesting uh, viral video went uh, around social media and they uh, had to do double down on an inclusion effort after that. Talk us through this story. Yeah, long story short, uh, on the New York City subway, uh, an unidentified woman was videotaped uh, calling the latest OkCupid campaign disgusting, pulling it down, saying children uh, shouldn't be uh, exposed to it. Um, and this is the brand's every single person campaign, which which sort of identifies its target audiences in, in you know terms such as bookworms and cuddlers, from, and more serious ones like feminists, uh, monogamists, non-binaries, um, and groups like that. And um, one of the ads in particular targets what they called every single vaxxer and shows two people kissing and their tongues are kind of, it's kind of like too much information in a way. Uh, and that seemed to have set the woman off and then she was ripping down the ads. Um, but I think that OkCupid okay did the right thing here in responding quickly to this, but also uh, calling out that they're not going to be intimidated by homophobic comments made by the woman uh, in the video who uh, was accusing the company of trying to normalize um lgbtq plus dating and uh their response was of course we're trying to normalize it 
So good for them. I think, you know, you know, companies have to realize there are always going to be critics to any time they do a, a, a campaign that's a little bit provocative or edgy. Um, and, and they have to stand their ground uh, and, and not be intimidated by people like this. So good for them on that. Yeah. And she wasn't wearing a mask either, which was probably she was not, no. somebody <laughs> on our video. Um, what about this uh, issue? There's two, a couple of things here, Rochelle. You, we're talking about obviously things going viral, which is just a massive part of comms now. You, you know, something can blow up in minutes on, online and go global in a way that didn't used to happen. And then, of course, there's the whole issue of purposeful business, isn't there? And uh, brands making statements on social issues. How are you, what's your take on this? And how are you uh, informing your students to be able to handle issues like this? I think it goes back to the corporate identity and and what are the corporate values um, that your organization wants to espouse. And okay, Cupid has leaned all the way into inclusion and that they um, are going to reaffirm the identities of their their clients, of their uh, or their customers, or of their um, employees, et cetera. And so that is what we want all organizations to do is to stand on their values. And so they have when companies are trying to decide how they're going to respond and how quickly and they will respond to issues um, or whether like this one where it's a viral attack on them, um, you have to know who you are as an organization and stand by that and and don't waver from it. And if someone's attacking your values, you don't change your value. You lean further into it. Um, and I think, and that's how you determine if you're going to speak on an issue. You know, is this related to what your your practice area is, what your value is? What are the risks, you know, involved in taking action or taking inaction, like not saying anything? Um, but I think it has to be a values-driven um, decision. And that's what we're encouraging our students to really um to focus on, even in their own search for jobs, <laughs> who they want to work for. Yeah. What are, the, sure. what are the values and how are they activating those values on a regular basis? Yeah. Um, I think authenticity is, is crucial and you can't play around with this stuff. And once you've decided and once, once you've done something that's on brand, you've got to stick with it. I think uh, it was Frank Shaw when we released our communications bellwether survey who talking about this says, if you're going to say something, do you have a point of view on it? And is the world waiting to hear from you on this topic? And I guess they are waiting to hear from brand like OKCupid on stuff like this. So, uh, um, and and they've I think they handled it pretty well. So, so well done to them, Frank. Another interesting uh, social story is the TikTok star who's been having a bit of fun with um, brand logos and uh, getting a lot of engagement. That's right. Her name is Emily Zuge. Uh, she was a design major uh, in college, and she's putting that to great use redesigning the logos of famous brands, um, you know, including sort of rebranding McDonald's as Mc, McDowell's with a big O. Um, and it's become really popular, not just for McDonald's, but I'll, I'll give you a stat here. So um, McDonald's used both logos, the the one they actually use and, and the, let's call it the redesigned one on all of their social channels. Uh, and it became uh, their most liked ever profile picture. And this is according to Guillaume uh, Huin, who uh, is a social media director uh, at the company. And it got, and this is as of a couple of days ago, uh, more than 100,000 likes and 25,000 shares um, uh, on Facebook, 
which also indicates, this is another issue, also indicates that TikTok has expanded its audience well beyond just teenagers, but that's a, sort of a whole other side story for this. Um, so brands started uh, interacting with Emily Zugay and trying to sort of daring her to uh, redesign their logos. Um, and it you know really blew up online. Um, I think it was a good opportunity for brands to engage online in sort of a good, clean, fun kind of way. Um, and, and, and it's clearly worked for them. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, it shows, Rochelle, that, you, I mean, you're not in control on social, are you? So you've got to kind of roll with it a little bit. Because I can imagine in uh, different circumstances back in the day, anybody messing with someone's logo, they'd almost have the lawyers ready, you know, to go and sue them. Whereas in this day and age, they are, they become part of the conversation and it actually cre- creates attention. Although, that you know, you've got to be careful how you do it. So, again, are, are you teaching your students about this or are they teaching you? <laughs> Well, I have to admit, they're teaching me a lot about TikTok. I was an anti-TikTok person, but for a long time. However, it, it is everywhere, and we we do need to learn how to be flexible and also sometimes make, not take ourselves so seriously. Yeah. Um, and how do you lean into that um, carefully? But we have to stay um, engaged with what trends and things are. And um, in order to stay relevant. And I think that's one thing about Gen Z's and millennials. They don't take themselves too seriously at times. Yeah. And TikTok has just become, it's taking over. Um, our uh, colleague, Alison Weisbrot on campaign wrote a blog about this. Uh, that, you know, you, you don't have any choice now. This is where conversations are happening about brands, about everything. So uh, did you like the little response from the Detroit Lions, Frank? You're out of line. Did you, uh, did you, did <laughs> well, that in, did you chuckle about that? Glad to see they're they're finding some comfort after losing this weekend. So good for them. <laughs> Any, anything to take the mind off the football, I suppose. Um, and then finally, we could ever wonder what happened for, to Carter from Nugs for Carter and uh, all those other social media stars that we've been writing about in recent years. Well, Diana Bradley, our uh, consumer specialist, she went and caught up with some of those folks to uh, see what happened to them. What what, what what's going on, Frank? What, What's yeah, um, Carter Wilkin, Carter Wilkerson. Um, you know, he he's thinking a lot about you know, whether or not he should have pursued the influencer lifestyle, but he seems very content that he is in school pursuing a career in dentistry and hoping to go to dental school after graduating, uh, which is a totally different lifestyle from being an influencer. Um, and he said. Uh, he he's also a marketing major, and he chose marketing because he enjoyed his experience uh, with the Nugs for Carter uh, campaign slash hashtag slash you know happening. Um, and you know he he thanked Wendy's for the experience, but again he's pretty uh, he he said he thinks about the what ifs, especially in terms of becoming an influencer. But it seems like a hectic and stressful lifestyle, which I would agree with him on. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting transition from eating loads of chicken nu- nuggets to uh, becoming a dentist. I don't know if it's yeah. too connected, but uh, does he still eat a load of nuggets? He's, he's, I don't know if he's doing it right now, but he said when he uh, won all of the nuggets, he was going to Wendy's like three times a week. And that's a lot of nuggets. So, Any other influences we caught up with? Yeah, Josh Absack, who was sort of made famous when he was a Kent State University student and, and Tinder put him uh, 
and somebody else out into uh, the spotlight. Um, well, he's now a zoologist, um, <laughs> and he's he's got a real passion for animals. So he went to live in South Africa, uh, and he uses his social media accounts. We have a great picture of him posing uh, dangerously close to a tiger. Um, now he's back home in Cleveland, uh, working as a caretaker for some animals inside the Cleveland Museum uh, of Natural History. So, um, dramatic career change there too, in a way. Um, did the, Tony, did the relationship uh, prosper? It didn't sound like it did. From uh, from I, well, I wasn't sure. I, I was getting mixed messages. Uh, I think that's uh, very fair. Um, he he was. I don't have a full explanation, but he was he was a gentleman about it. So, um, but also Tony uh, Pilosenio, who was uh, the guy who was fired from his job at a paint store uh by sherwin williams and then hired by florida paints where they then gave him a studio uh where he could make these popular paint mixing videos that he was doing uh on the clock um uh at his previous job when he got fired uh and they sort of made him like like the in in-house influencer uh he had 1.4 million followers uh at the time now he's still working with florida paints seems to be going well um and um you kind of think it's showing williams mr trick there but i think so too yeah 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 i think so too um but he has started creating content for a wide range of social media platforms uh so, he has more yeah. than six hundred thousand subscribers on youtube and that's just in a couple of months this year so wow. uh, but he's mostly focused on instagram so i'm going to keep an eye on him because he he seems to um he seems to be hitting the right notes um, do you have any influences at Elon, Rochelle? It's, um... We actually do. One of our, our football players, um, he is an, an influencer, not on the, on the issue of, of sports and things, but on a, a host of other ones. And so with the name, image, and likeness of, you know, issue coming up for, for, for collegiate athletes, um, he was one of the first that we had to, I guess, take a look at because he already um, was a social media influencer and paid to do a, a host of things. And now um, he has to follow that, um, the guidelines set forth. Um, yeah, yeah. And likeness. Go figure. Yeah, it reminds me, I visited, I think it was Cisco on the West Coast a few years ago, and they did this analysis of the top 10 influencers in their space. And one of them worked for them, and they didn't even know about it. And it was this guy who was blogging, creating brilliant content. So they uh, they uh, sort of engaged with him, and, you know, uh, he was just doing it as a as a side thing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big new world, influencers, social media, viral videos, et cetera, et cetera, and it's – it's a key part of social media, so you've got to get it right and you've got to understand it. Thank you, Frank, for joining us, as always. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. And thanks, Rochelle. Congrats on your award, the Distinguished Service Award, and thanks for telling us more about O'Field, who's uh, a, you know, a real legend of the industry and uh, part of the PR Week Hall of Fame as well, and always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for having me. It was great to be a part of the show again. Yeah, and we'll see you soon, hopefully in person. Um, don't forget the PR Week Awards. We are past the standard deadline, but there's a couple of extended deadlines over the next couple of weeks. So please uh, make sure you've got your best work in and uh, hope you've got your awards entry in, uh, Rochelle, or it's in process for the best education program. But, uh, 
Why did I know you were going to put me on the spot and ask that question? <laughs> I'm, I'm very predictable, I know. <laughs> um, our conference is actually virtual on uh, PR Decoded from the 12th to the 14th of October. It's a three-day event. We've got such an amazing group of speakers. We've got the CEO of Pepsi Foods, PepsiCo Foods, North America, Stephen Williams. We've got the CEO of uh, Perno Ricard, and we've got loads of other brilliant uh, speakers We've got someone from patagonia and ben and jerry's talking about purpose lots of really uh, brilliant content do sign up for that and the purpose awards in the middle of that on the 13th will be live in person in new york city on the 13th so hope to see some of you there and uh, we'll be gathering again at the end of october for the uh, 40 under 40 event on the 28th and the hall of fame will be in late november or early december but uh, that's all we've got time for we'll see you next time on the pr week thank you for listening to this week's episode of the pr week to find more episodes visit prweek.com